Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. At the end of the previous program, I was in John chapter 1, and I'll begin in verse 19 where it says, Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And then John continues and gives an explanation from there. All right, now what I want you to see is that we've got representatives of the Pharisees. We have the Levites. We have the priests. In verse 19, the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? All these people went to go and find John. They left Jerusalem. They went out into the wilderness. They went searching about, looking for this guy who is somewhere out there near the Jordan, and he is baptizing people. Why would they do that? What was so significant about him baptizing people that they would go and investigate? They ask him questions such as, Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? And I will come back to these persons and explain to you the significance of these questions relative to these persons. But John responds and he says, I'm not any one of these people. I am just out here baptizing individuals who want to be baptized. Now, again, why would these people go and question him? Why would they go and seek him out and ask him, who does he think he is? They could have just considered him to be some crazy guy, and there are other people who are listening to what he has to say. They don't really have to take him seriously unless there was significant meaning to what John was doing. And there was. There was significant meaning to the baptism, to being baptized. Now, most people assume that this is where baptism started, that this is some new kind of ritual new kind of ceremony that people are doing, and because it's so new that there needs to be an investigation to find out what it is about. But that was definitely not the case. Baptism was already well known in this society. It had a distinctive place and purpose in the Jewish society. And so baptism definitely was nothing new. What was new and what was different was what John was doing, his application of it. The significance of John doing these baptisms was enough 
to inspire the religious leaders to go and investigate who John is and what he is really doing. Baptism started about 200 years prior to this. It was a consequence or it was a result. It was something that evolved out of the Maccabean Wars. When the Maccabean Wars ended about 200 years prior to John the Baptist, the Jews won their freedom from the people who were controlling their region at that time. They won their freedom through armed conflict, in effect. In order to assert their new identity, their new sovereignty that they had, in order to assert that, what they did was they sent out representatives of the country, of the nation, to other surrounding countries and established what we would consider to be embassies. That's what happened. And what they did was they sent out a minimum of 10 men and their respective families out into the surrounding countries, and they set up small communities to include a synagogue. Now, their primary role in the surrounding countries was simply to be the representatives of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. It established a means of communication, and it established a means of trade and commerce and influence with the surrounding governments. This was a very important thing for them to do in order to try and maintain their individual identity and not just be overrun by some other group of people who would assert control over the area. Now, the Romans at this time had primary control over the region, but there were opportunities for other power centers, for other people who were in power to go and try to assert control over this area, even though they would be under the absolute authority of the Romans. The Jews wanted to maintain as much control and power as they could for themselves, and so they wanted to be independent from the other power centers as best they could, and of course be under the direct control of the Roman government who had sovereignty over the entire region at this time, about 200 years before Christ. Now these synagogues, these communities that were established, were spoken of later. When you read through the book of Acts as an example, and you see the Apostle Paul traveling to the Gentile nations, there were Jewish communities. There were people There were synagogues. There were people who identified themselves as Jews. The Apostle Paul spoke to them about the gospel. These communities had been established a couple of generations before the Apostle Paul arrived, and they were established after the Maccabean Wars for these purposes of trying to assert their sovereignty. Now, when these synagogues were initially established, this was an opportunity for the Jewish people to talk with the other nations, with the Gentiles, about what they were doing there, why they were there. And this was an opportunity for them to tell the story of what happened during the Maccabean Wars and how their God intervened in miraculous ways in order to help them to win the wars that they were engaged in. These testimonies were quite inspirational. And because of the witness, because of the testimony of the living God being an active participant 
in the lives of the people there in Israel, the lives of the Jews, there were other people in other nations who wanted to embrace this God themselves. They wanted to be a part of the nation of Israel. They wanted to be worshipers of this God. They wanted to be identified as Israelites. They wanted to be a participant in the sense that they wanted to know this true God. They wanted to be blessed by him. They wanted to be believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this introduced a new subject, and that was the subject of conversion. Now you've got all these Gentiles who want to become Jews. What do you do with these Gentiles? How do you make them into Jews? This was a very important question that needed to be resolved. And so the religious leaders in Israel, in Jerusalem, communicated with the religious leaders in these synagogues in the surrounding areas, and they had a lot of discussions about how are we going to officially convert these Gentiles to Judaism? How are we going to accomplish that? Now, there were three things that the people had to do. The first thing that a person would have to do is they would have to subject themselves to the Mosaic Law. They would have to commit their lives and devote their lives to living in obedience to the Mosaic Law. Now, the way that a person would do this was effectively defined by the Pharisees. And so the people who embraced Judaism in these surrounding countries, they embraced the Judaism of the Pharisees, those who were evangelistic and willing to go out into the surrounding nations, establish embassies, establish synagogues, establish communities, and live the Pharisaical life in these foreign lands. If a Gentile wanted to be a part of this, they wanted to be a part of the synagogue, of the community, then they would have to commit themselves to living in obedience to the Mosaic Law as the Pharisees defined it. That was one thing that the people would have to embrace. The other thing that they would have to embrace, of course, was circumcision, if applicable, which was only for the males. Everyone would have to be circumcised as part of their decision to become a Jew. And then the third thing was ritualistic immersion. If you go through the Mosaic Law, you can see that there are a lot of opportunities, many opportunities, for a person to become ritually unclean, which would require them to go through ritual immersion. They would have to wash themselves. There were plenty of opportunities for a person to find themselves in that kind of a circumstance, according to the law, and so it was expected that a person would begin to do this. But as part of the conversion process, a person was expected to do this in order to make sure that they had fulfilled all the requirements concerning cleanliness and uncleanliness, as was defined in the law, when it came to various life experiences that a person simply is not going to be able to avoid. But in this case, the ritual immersion would be supervised. There would be someone who would observe a person going through this ritual immersion and would also be a witness to be able to testify that this person did go through this, that they committed themselves to living in obedience to the Mosaic Law, 
and that they went through the ritual immersion and that they were circumcised if applicable. But the ritual immersion, of course, was for everyone. And this is the history of baptism. This is where baptism started. It started as a result of the Maccabean Wars, the establishment of embassies, the Gentiles hearing the testimony of the miracles of the living God and wanting to convert to Judaism. And so baptism was established for the purpose of converting a Gentile to Judaism. Now, I realize that this is not well known within the history of Christianity. I know this because when I entered the Christian world, After converting to Christianity, in effect, being a Jew, I decided to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I was convinced of the evidence that there is no one else who could possibly be the Messiah besides the Lord Jesus. And so I believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And after several years of growing and maturing in the faith, I eventually went into the Christian world and I started going through the libraries, the religious libraries that I could find. And in going through the libraries in the Christian world, I discovered that there was no information available at all about the history of baptism as I just described it. There was one encyclopedia that I did find that suggested that baptism could have started with the Jews before John the Baptist, but they had no information concerning that at all. And so obviously I was quite surprised. And later, I did find out that there are a number of reasons why the Christian world or many denominations within the Christian world would not want this to be known because there would be serious consequences related to the doctrines and the beliefs that a lot of people hold to when it comes to the subject of baptism. I did record a set of programs on this subject. I have a series on the miracle of Hanukkah where I spoke about the Maccabean Wars. That's a good series to listen to when it comes to this. And I also produced a series on baptism, where I went through the subject and I went through the various passages in the scriptures that are of interest to people when it comes to the subject of baptism. But in this program, I'm just going to focus on the Gospel of John, the history of baptism as it relates to what he was doing. Now, I found that as I began to speak with a lot of Christians about the history and the subject of baptism, that there was tremendous resistance. Most everyone that I spoke with did not believe what I was sharing with them about baptism. And so I had to go and find some evidence, find some historical evidence. And I'll read to you two specific passages in the writings of the Pharisees that I believe are relevant to the subject of baptism. For example, in the Babylonian Talmud, Tractate Abada Zorah, Folio 59a, it reads as follows, A Gentile is never to be regarded as a proselyte until he is both circumcised and immersed. And since he has not undergone immersion, he is a Gentile. In this conversation, this was a conclusion. What this means is, is that the people considered ritual immersion, they considered baptism, to be necessary for the conversion of a Gentile to Judaism, and that even if a person is circumcised, if they are not baptized also, then they are still a Gentile. 
And so if a man decides to devote himself to the Mosaic law and he is circumcised, he is still a Gentile until he is baptized, until he is ritually immersed and there is a witness who will testify of what he did. Another example is found in Tractate Yebamot Folio 78a, where it says, If a pregnant Gentile woman was converted, there is no need for her son to perform ritual immersion. All right, now this is important as it relates to the Gospel of John and John the Baptist, where it says explicitly that if there is a Jewish mother, there is a Gentile woman who converts to Judaism, and she gives birth to another person, to a son, then the son is considered to be a Jew, according to the Pharisaical beliefs of how we will identify a Jew through the maternal line. And by the way, mosaically speaking, the identity of a Jew was only through the paternal line, through the father. It was not through the maternal line. This was a decision that was made when the Jews were returning from Babylon, where they changed the law. They changed the belief concerning how they would identify a Jew. And this, of course, created a big conflict with the Samaritans when the Jews arrived in Jerusalem after captivity. I speak about this in the programs that I recorded on the history of the Samaritans and in other places. But in this case, for this study, what I want to exaggerate and what I want to show you is that if a person is born and they are recognized to be a Jew because their mother is Jewish, because she converted to Judaism before the child was born, or she already was a Jew. In that circumstance, the child does not need to be baptized. And this is what I want you to understand here as it relates to John the Baptist. And that is that if a person is Jewish, they are not to be baptized. There is no reason for them to ever be baptized because baptism was the procedure by which a Gentile would become a Jew. If you are already a Jew, then there is no reason for you to be baptized. But that is what John the Baptist was doing. What he was doing was he was baptizing Jews, not Gentiles. In this region and at this time, and we look at the identity of some of the people who he was baptizing, you can see enough evidence to show that he was baptizing Jews. And that was completely unacceptable to the Pharisees in accordance with Yebamot 78a. This was unacceptable. You do not baptize Jews. What this would mean to the Pharisees and to the Levites and the priests, the religious leaders, was that John was declaring, John the Baptist was declaring that the Jews were just as unclean as the Gentiles, that they would need to be converted to Judaism. They would need to be devoted. They would have to commit themselves to the Mosaic law individually as if they were not a Jew, as if they were not an Israelite. Now, the religious leaders held to a very important belief that if you are born a Jew by your genealogy, 
then you are already right with God. You already have a place in the kingdom of heaven. These were important doctrines, and there were a lot of other doctrines surrounding that, that they wanted the people to believe. And so if the people decided to be baptized by John, then what this would mean is it would mean that the people were rejecting, they were rejecting the beliefs of the religious leaders at this time. This was a big deal. This would have enormous consequences if this gained popularity. If more and more people would go to John the Baptist and be baptized by him, then this would increase the popularity of the belief and of the idea that just because you're a Jew, that doesn't mean anything. You still need to be committed yourself. You yourself must commit yourself to living a life of obedience to the Mosaic Law. And you yourself must be converted to such through ritualistic immersion, through baptism, in this way. And if you don't, well, then you may not have a place in the kingdom of heaven. And there were Jews who believed this. They believed this. It's one thing if we've got some crazy guy out there in the wilderness eating bugs and honey and dressed in clothing that probably is going to itch a lot. It would be one thing if we just had this guy out there proclaiming these things, talking about these things, telling people these things, and inviting people to be baptized. That's one thing. But if people actually believe that and they decide to be a participant in this, well, that's something else. And this is why the religious leaders in Jerusalem sent representatives to go and ask John the Baptist, who do you think you are? That's what they were doing there. When John baptized a Jew, that was a way of saying that what the Pharisees believed, what they taught, what the Levites and the leaders in Jerusalem were believing and teaching Those things were not valid. They were not correct. John was proclaiming that each individual person needed to be right with God by their repentance and obedience, not just because they were born a Jew, not just because they exist. This was very important because this is why our God manifested in the flesh and dwelt among the people personally, one of the reasons why was so that he could tell the people that he was not impressed, that just because they were born a Jew, that didn't matter. Just because they exist as a Jew, that didn't matter. Everyone needed to repent from their sins and obey the commandments of God. It was necessary for each individual to make a personal choice, a personal decision that they would subject themselves to the covenant that God established between himself and the nation of Israel. Everybody was going to be responsible for their own sin and for their own obedience and their own righteousness. And what they were doing at that time was not enough. Now, the Pharisees were teaching that, of course, what they were doing was enough. They were proclaiming, they believed, 
that they had found a way to live in obedience to the Mosaic law. They believed that. But when people believed John the Baptist instead, just this simple act of being baptized was a total rejection of everything that was going on there in Israel, of everything that was being taught by the religious leaders to the core, to the root issue of their beliefs. This was significant. It was very significant. Now, when a Jew was baptized, how would this be perceived in addition to all of that? It would be perceived that from that point forward, from that moment forward, the Jew would be considered to be a person who started over, who started a new life. That would be the implication of them deciding to be baptized. It would be a way of an individual acknowledging the truth that just because they're a Jew doesn't make them right with God. Just because they exist doesn't mean that they are a child of God, that they will have to be obedient to his commandments and that they recognize that they are just as unclean, that they are just as sinful as a Gentile and that this baptism was for them an opportunity to start a new life. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the fourth program in the verse-by-verse study on the book of John. In this program, I explained the significance of John baptizing, specifically that he was baptizing Jews, and what that would have meant to the culture at that time why it was that the religious leaders sent out representatives to go and find John, to investigate what he was doing and ask him, who did he think he was? Baptism did not start with John the Baptist. Baptism started with the Pharisees as a means of converting a Gentile to Judaism. And in this program, I went through a lot of the background and history with regards to this, and so that you can gain a better appreciation for what John did and what that would have meant to the people at that time. A good follow-up to this program would be the series that I produced on the subject of baptism and also the series I did on Hanukkah. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net